Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. So what comes to mind when you hear the phrase PR? Do we all need PR for our brands and businesses? I know for me, I picture a high-class, fast-talking New York woman, red lipstick and high heels, stomping through the halls of a television studio screaming, where's my client's time on television? As entrepreneurs, do we need PR? Is it something beneficial? How do we do it? Is it just another form of marketing? I dive into the answers to all of these questions and so much more with Lexi Smith, founder of the PR Bar. Let's go get carried away. So I'm so excited you could join me. I love seeing everyone coming in right now. Um, As everyone knows, this is a podcast recorded live on Instagram as well as in Facebook. Hi, Facebook. Um, So you might hear us talking and engaging with um, everyone coming in. Uh, We're going to wave to everyone that comes in and says hi on Instagram. Hi, Mariah. Um, But that's just, that's just our jam. So welcome, Lexi. How are you? Thank you. I am good. I I am pretty blown away by the amount of monitors and devices that I have set up right now. And you get full credit for pushing me out of, it was like a 25 minute setup experience for me. Where do I put camera with lights and chargers? Anyways, but I'm good. We're, We're here. We made it. Good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So please tell us about you, how you founded that PR bar. Tell us all the things about what brought you to where you are today. Sure. So I'll I'll start with that one-liner, right? So I'm the founder of the PR Bar Inc. And essentially I teach entrepreneurs and business owners how to increase their influence, impact, and revenue with PR. All right. Now we will rewind back. How far back do you want me to go? What, um, what got me to here? Yeah, no, what got you there? What got you to found to, to be like, I'm out of corporate. I'm doing my own thing. Oh man. Okay. I'll try to give you a medium version of a long story. Cause I don't know if I can do it that short. So I, cause I think the context is interesting. So I, I'm from Oregon. Originally I went to the university of Oregon and I started college wanting to be a broadcast journalist. So the next Aaron Andrews was, was oh. the thought process at the time, right? So I started majoring in broadcast journalism. I double majored with PR just because it seemed like everyone else above me was doing that. And I started on the journalistic route hardcore. You know, I interned for CBS. I was president of the National Broadcasting Society. I did the TV station, all the things. And there were two events that happened. One was on the street in New York City, which is just to remind you, I'm from Oregon, so cross country. I ran into a man at a national convention society on the street. He wasn't in the convention. He was on the streets wearing my, my uh, alma mater, my, my duck, we are the, the, the ducks. Sure. And started talking with him. Long story short, he owned a PR firm in New York and San Francisco that satellite office in Eugene, Oregon, which is where I went to school, which is a very small world if you pull up the Google Maps. So that happened. That ended up turning into a job in undergrad. So I started doing PR, um, my, my actual PR career in undergrad. 
also while still trying to think that I wanted to be on TV and I was interning for CBS and the entire show I was interning for got laid off um, in basically 24 hours. So I got two big wake up calls in undergrad um, and my career starts there because it wasn't an internship. I really, I started to build out my real world client roster from the age of 18, which is pretty cool. Moved to LA after I technically graduated um, was an agency for a while. Then I moved in-house, a couple different industries. That all escalated to, I started in hospitality. I ended as the VP of PR and marketing for a telecommunications company, um, which was the fastest growing uh, telecommunications company in America. And I went from LA and rooftop party bars to um, rooms in Washington, D.C. with a lot of older white men talking about internet and it great company loved my coworkers CEO was phenomenal not my jam so I started thinking about I've always wanted to do entrepreneurship what could I do simultaneous to that that whole startup lifestyle caught up with my health and some big kind of dramatic health things happened that told me it's time Lexi to make this this switch and I, I dug deep. I decided over all these career experiences, what do I like? What am I good at? Good at PR and good at marketing. What do I like? Entrepreneurship, cool. And then I started market researching, blah, 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 blah. The PR bar was born. I love it. I love it. Tell me about your first client. For the PR bar? Yeah. Well, who, who was your first client that said, I believe in you? You're going to help me. So my first paid client then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I intentionally, I soft launched the brand prior to taking it full time. And I was intentionally offering free services to build testimony under this brand name. My first paid client, I feel like that should be an easy, an easy answer for you. It was definitely the first one was a happy hour. So the happy hour are the one hour, the one hour services. And I believe it was... This is, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have, right? That I'm, I'm having trouble thinking. I can tell you my first payment because my first, my first payment was a, a template purchase. The first happy hour was tough to think it, about. It was, I think it was a backpack product gotcha. here. I think that might, might have been the first paid. So wow, what I led you? What do you think contributed to you leading to that first paid client? And when she means happy hour, what do you mean when you say happy hour? Right. So let me just explain real quick. The PR bar is very intentionally punny. All my services are in that theme. So a happy hour was my founding service. And this actually answers two part answers the same question. So happy hour is a service. Basically, it's a one hour coaching time together. I do like work before we, we strategize and all things PR. And then you get a takeaway to do list with templates after the fact. And what led me to my first paying happy hour was I think the elected free happy hours that I had been choosing to do to build me test my testimony up. So that was a conscious choice I made so that I could have, you know, I have clients, I have testimony, but I didn't under this brand name. That was important to me. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I know as entrepreneurs, as we're 
growing credibility and, and trying to grow traction and everything. We do do a lot of things for free. We do do a lot of things for discounts because testimonials are unbelievably valuable, right? Um, yeah. So what does someone receive when they do book a happy hour with you? What does that include? Yeah. And so the happy hour is really my, my founding service. And I keep it around just because of that, because it's my, my baby. It's what founded the PR bar. And what happens prior to the happy hour, you get an intake form that is basically a questionnaire that helps me understand why you booked the happy hour, what you're trying to accomplish. So let's say you're a product-based business and you want to get into Oprah magazine. So the the questionnaire would lead me to some background information. I do my legwork. We show up to the call. You know, I like to maximize that hour to its fullest. So we try to keep the, the chit chat to a bare minimum at the beginning, right? And we record that. We talk through the strategy and then post our time together. You get a, delivered a very actionable takeaway list with what to do and any templates that came up, any resources that you need, and what have you. So you accomplish as much as you physically can in an hour, right? But it is, it is an hour. So, right. so there's some homework. You guys yeah. have to be prepared there's to homework. do some homework. Um, so tell me, I know we got, an, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that PR is this mystical thing that's only for actors and athletes. And it's something that's like, oh, you want to get on, you know, the Today Show or you want to be featured in Vogue magazine. Um, but what do you think is the difference between marketing for an entrepreneur specifically and PR? Like what is the difference between the two? Great question. And actually not a black or white answer. Anyone can go into Google and you're going to see a ton of articles with a lot of different opinions. So I'm going to give you my opinion from my experience. So they're really related and they're becoming more and more related as this digital landscape continues to evolve. But to give you a visual, I think of marketing as an umbrella and PR is a panel of that umbrella. And I pulled a little, I'm going to read this for you because I think this does a really great job of describing the relationship. So the truth is you can't market without doing a little PR and you can't do PR without a little marketing because the end goals, selling products and services, making people love a company are too intertwined. So they're related, right? We've established that. However, what are the differences? So I, I like to point out three differences. When I was the VP of PR and marketing, my PR department, my marketing department would track my click-through rate from an email campaign. They would track my ARPU, my average rate per user my PR department would be tracking share voice. How many times your name is showing up over your competitors on Google? They'd track backlinks, right? How many links do we have to our site? So the first difference, there are metrics. Second, and this is a huge one, marketing is 100% proactive, where PR can be both proactive and reactive. And a great example of reactive is crisis communications. And then the final one, and this is, I think, really where we get into the big nitty-gritty difference, is marketing, you're 100% going after your buyer, so your consumer. So everything you're doing is targeted at that one consumer, that buyer. PR, you have a lot more people that you're talking to. You could be talking to, yes, your buyer, but you could also be talking to community, the relationship with your community. You can be talking about 
investor relations. There's a lot of different, there's six, essentially six different target audiences you can connect with. And PR is how you connect to those audiences and how you cultivate opportunities. And there are marketing metrics that come in play, but foundationally speaking, they're, they're becoming more and more integrated. But PR, relationships, marketing is a lot more, you know, targeted at the consumer. Right, right. So when you have PR, um, you know, I think a lot of people miss, especially entrepreneurs, they think that every brand needs PR. Like we all need it because that's somehow going to be the golden ticket to make us more money. If we have more exposure, if we're featured on KTLA, do you think every brand is PR necessary? Or do you think there are some that it's like, it's okay if you just have a strong marketing campaign? Great question. I get this one a lot. So the first thing, the first way thing to point out to answer this is people who think that are thinking really just about media relations. And, you know, if you're in the press, if you're on TV, but PR, media relations is a part of that, but that's one of six elements. So I'll just run through the six real quick. Sure, yeah, please. Yeah, (laughs) there's, so public relations, your relationship with the public, then there's community relations. So your relationship, either with your physical community or it could be a virtual community. Bra is a great example of community relations. Then we have industry relations. So that's relationships with, you know, vendors, for example. Then we have media. And that is very traditionally what people think about. Then we have customers. So your relationship with your current or past customers. Those are really important for referrals. And then finally, we have investor relations, which is your relationship. You know, not everyone gets involved with this, but if you're looking to raise capital or you sell. So when you broaden your definition of what PR is, well, you need relationships with at least one of those categories. I promise you that. Do you need to necessarily focus on media? Maybe not. That's where it gets, you know, it's what type of PR. Everyone needs PR just a matter what type. Gotcha. Wow. That's so, that's so interesting because a lot of, you know, what I, I don't, I know, you know, Bailey, a lot of what Bailey talks about is some of the best PR comes out of collaborations Mm -hmm. um, and having other people talk about other people um, and go and having a little bit more of an organic growth um, than like the influencer market of things, you know, what are your thoughts on approaching influencers or even micro influencers to like, showcase your brand is that considered PR or is that more like marketing so okay well first shout out because yes Bailey what Bailey does she is officially I haven't announced this yet but here we go you heard it here first she is a partner of the PR bar now because collaborations is a huge part of PR um influencer marketing is one of those crossover categories it's marketing with PR elements in it So if you're paying um, an influencer to market a product, that is a marketing or an advertising exchange. However, the relationships you're developing from that, the audience that you're reaching, those are PR components. So it can be integrated. A lot of the thing that's complicated, here's a good example, social media. This is one that I like to help explain the relationship. If you are doing a social media campaign, Your marketing department, for example, might be creating the physical graphic. 
your PR is going to be helping consult you on what to say, the messaging on how you're connecting with your public, right? So they, they are, they're so connected. They're just, there are slight nuances. So long answer short, influencers, um, it just depends how you interact with them. Right, right. Well, you did mention um, you and Bailey are collaborating, which, you know, hashtag bra. I love a good yeah. collaboration. Tell me about this collaboration. I'm sure you haven't gone live yet, but let's talk about it. How are yeah. you and Bailey propelling exposure of entrepreneurs or of your clients? I'm sure, are they mostly entrepreneurs that you work with? So I have two types of clients. I have entrepreneurs and that goes into my pop Fizz clean program, my, my smaller program. And then I have a corporate training program. So while the business founder hires me, I usually work with their team. Gotcha. But to, to answer your first question, so something that I started doing originally with another woman who I'm hoping is going to be joining, Brock, Christine O'Donnell. Um, She's in. Back. Christine, I know you're watching this. You're in. You're getting called out. I'm going to slack you again for she it. She does have a baby, <laughs> so we'll give her a pass. I know. So Christine O'Donnell was one of my very first partners at the PR Bar, and she and I do what I call a program exchange collaboration. She offers something unique to my clients and I offer something unique to hers. She's been, she was in the media industry as a TV news anchor for many, many years. She now is a podcast coach and host. And so she trains my clients on how to rock the mic. I claim I train her clients on how to get PR. So that partnership did so well that I've started to look on, are there certain things that I touch upon in my program that I can bring other people in to expand that much more on? Because I can't talk about all the things. I only have so much time with people, right? So, and I like to focus a lot on PR. Bailey focuses on collaborations, right? So there's just a really natural element to bring her in to expand upon a topic that yes, I introduce and I discuss with my clients, but it's like, here's someone, if you really want to, you know, continue Love that. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I that's that. kind of how that. It is kind of like being in your zone of genius, right? Like, yeah. yes, I also can talk about social media marketing strategy, um, but I know I'm not, one, that's not my zone of genius. So I usually farm that out to, you know, sh maybe Shana or someone else in the broad network that that's their zone of genius. And Although I can speak to it, you're right. You want to kind of stay in your lane of expertise and build a team that can then eventually be like, like, I'm not going to be the person that's going to build your website or take great photos, but I know people who can. Right, right, exactly. Well, and then all of a sudden it gets confusing from a messaging standpoint. I want the PR bar to be known with PR. And if I start talking about all the things that I, I could do, then it gets really confusing on what you're coming to me for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm loving this collaboration. That's great. I'm so surprised. I'm just glad that we got to be a part of the unveiling of this great I know. collaboration. Surprise. That's great. That's really great. So what, when do you think an entrepreneur is ready to kind of approach PR or, or like when they're like, okay, I'm ready to like really step up my game. What things do first, two questions. First, what do they need to have in place before they can work with you? Great question. And I will answer this specifically to that press angle, right? Because community relations, I could go on and on. So if you're someone who is, I want to do media and press, 
two things a lot of that are vitally important are a website and photos a website that is not just a slap together website but a, a nice high converting website. You don't need to come to me with a perfect website, but you need to be willing to work on it. And here's why if you land a great press placement, let's say in Vogue, right? And that points back to a crappy website. It's not going to convert. So then what was the point? Right. So that's number one. And photos are so freaking important. I can, I could preach this to the choir five ways to Sunday. And I do, but it can make or break whether you or the hundred other pitches in someone's inbox get selected. So those two things you should have before you really start getting press ready in a sense. Right. You know, and I was just talking to Kathy. I don't know if you've met Kathy yet. Kathy Shu, she does all my portraits and photography. And she was telling me, she's like, there's, you know, when you're trying to get press ready, there's a difference between a picture of you on the beach journaling than that great classic portrait that would be on the back of a book or that would be, you know, in a press article and all the press that I've done and all the podcasts and, you know, media and appearances, they always use that one professional shot portrait that she took every single time. I give them a folder and they always pick that same photo and it's not me on the beach or with my dog, which are fun (laughs) to show lifestyle that professional portrait everyone always uses it and I think a lot of people think if they want their cheeky fun like look at me photos but it's that's not press ready right and there's actually like I have a PR shot list of technical what type of photos you should have ready to be in the best put yourself in the best position possible and Yes, what you're saying is absolutely one of them. You know, some sort of professional head spot for, especially if you're going to do speaking, for speaking engagements, for podcasts. Um, however, if you, you know, if you're a product-based business, the type of shots you need, we need a little more variety. So it depends on your business type. But there are, I have a list. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And it's like, and I'm sure product-based entrepreneurs are very different than, you know, service-based because we want to see the products. We want to see the cookies, the designer dress wears, the shoes, the accessories, whatever it is. When you're, do you offer programming different for product-based or service-based? Or do you think your um, program is pretty much available for all who are ready? Available for all. And here's one thing I like to point out um, that's becoming really important in today's landscape. One way to get PR for your product is through the founder story. So it can be strategic as a product-based business. It obviously depends on the company, but leading with your CEO or your founder and telling their story is a great way to start getting your name in the press. And then, oh yeah, they are the founder of X insert product, right? They're different. I've done it all. I've done founder product, all the things. So I can teach to all, all the above. There are differences right with the product base we're probably going to go after some gift guides with the founder we're not but there are crossovers just depends on how how much that founder wants to be kind of put out there themselves right right and do you think you know if you describe the journey of um someone who works with you what can they expect you know i know in for, for me my experience with pr it's not something that converts right away 
So maybe it was the person I was working with. Maybe it was my strategy, but I feel like it was like I was putting deposits in and it Mm -hmm. created, you know, validity to my brand and everything, but it wasn't like I immediately got a hundred new email subscribers. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs actually feel that once they get the PR, they're, all the money is going to be flowing in, right? Like, oh, it's going to be raining money. It's raining. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the journey. Like wh- what's kind of the process of once they work with you, what, what can they an- anticipate and expect right away and long term? Yeah. Well, before I answer that, let me give a, I think this is important context and exactly relevant to what you're talking about. There's three types of ROI that can come from press. There is immediate revenue generators, which is what you just hit on. That's when something happens and you see immediate money in the bank. Now, that is not always the case. That can happen. Um, you know, if I am a brush company, it's, it's easier for products because, you know, product gift guide bank. However, the other two, which are usually probably one of the most common types, we have what I call a word of mouth driver. So this is something that gets people talking and it just really starts to increase your brand awareness. For example, let's say you get on a list on your local business journal. Doing that probably won't lead to money in the bank today, but it's going to get your company on other people's radar and that can turn to cash down down the line. The third one is what you call a credibility or a door opener. So that's where big name logos. So the Forbes of the world, the Vogue's, the Good Morning America, and being able to say that you are an expert, for example, featured in Forbes does a lot for your business. It can be a little harder to track, but it gives you that kind of third party credibility and social proof that really does help in the buying decision. So you didn't ask me that question. I'm going to answer what you, but I love that answer. (laughs) The context of why I wanted to share that is the first thing that I do with any client hands down is I get very, very, very clear on their personal objectives because I I only work one-on-one, that should be said. And so everyone comes to me with a little bit of a different goal. I try to encourage them to have some sort of revenue goal that makes sense, but sometimes people are pre-launch. So let's say your goal is increase online sales by 50%. First thing we do is we identify what type of PR. So if we like rewind our brains to that hot second where I said those six different relations, which categories we should focus on to achieve that goal. So if it's increasing sales, we're probably going to want to focus on public because they would be new customers for us. And maybe there's an opportunity for us to really focus on our customer relations a little more. So we're going to identify first off what you're doing what you're not doing, and then we'll create a, a plan from there. And I work with them one-on-one. Everyone's curriculum is, is customized to their very specific goals. So by the end of it all, <laughs> you, you know, my, my three little verbs are you increase your influence, impact, and revenue, but it's a long-term goal. You are going to learn things. You will see results in the program, but I'm setting you up for long-term stuff. These are strategies that are going to work today, tomorrow, and well, I can't promise 10 years from now, but these are tried and true things that work. Yeah. So you'll feel confident, ready, um, and hopefully achieving some of those, those goals that we laid out at the beginning. Yeah, that's really great. And tell us about the program. Tell, give us a little bit more detail. We've touched on it a little bit, but tell us about Pop Clink 
fizz, pop fizz clink. Second time's a charm. Yeah, pop fizz clink. So it's in the background of that is that celebratory moment. So I have a big belief in life to celebrate even the smallest wins. And anyway, so yeah, pop fizz clink. It's a four month program. It's one on one. It's you work with me just kind of the way I described to learn. Here's why it's important for founders because pop fizz clink just to distinguish is meant for my, my small businesses and my founders. And it's meant to teach you PR from, so that you can lead one day from a place of informed strategy so that you know how to do it yourself so that you know all the ins and outs that you would be paying a PR firm a lot of money to do for you. So we work together for months, you know, we have strategy calls, there's cool portal where you get a lot of templates and videos. There's a lot of, I call it done with you style approach. You know, we build the media list together. Everything that we do, my goal is to make you not need me after those four months, right? I always say be my friend, but I haven't done my job if you still need me at the end of four months. Love that. It's like teach a, teach someone to fish. Don't, don't give them the fish, teach them to fish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure it's more articulate than that, but you know what I mean. I like it. Simplified. I, I love that. I love that. So um, working with you and then, so it's a, what's I think great about working with you is you're, you're teaching them how to manage and operate from their own PR and everything, how to advocate for themselves and not just be like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And then they're kind of set off onto, onto their own, uh, which is so beneficial. I know a lot of PR people are like on retainer. They can't necessarily guarantee anything in return or who's what kind of media is going to pick up on them and everything and it's it's very very frustrating um the brands that are in bra and beyond that have worked with pr have not had the best experience and i just love your approach to it um that it's it's very much something that can be learned your team can learn and you can then apply as opposed to this like magical little like, oh, I have the secret sauce. I'm not going to share it with you. So you right. are a disruptor, my friend. Um, well, I thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm certainly trying. I, I will say to if a, anyone listening, if a PR firm ever promises you something that they can and they will land you X, Y, and Z, do please run away. It is a red flag. You can't, yeah. you really can't promise anything in PR, which is why I like doing what I do because it puts the power and the control back in your business. As a founder, you, you get it. You have control. You're not, I'm not anti-agency. I don't, I don't want to say that, but I, I do say, I do think it's important for every founder, especially when their business is growing to have that ownership, control their narrative, understand what's going on. I do my accounting right now. Today was accounting Monday. Someday I'd love to hire an accountant, but right now I want to know how money works in my business so that when I do hire someone, I know what to look for, right? Yeah. Boom. There's my relatable example. <laughs> I think that's so important too. It's like, um, we, I don't think, I also don't believe in farming out um, tasks until you have actually operated themselves because you can quickly be taken over, right? Yep. So I've done social media. I've done my own bookkeeping too. <laughs> you know, I've done my own PR, but when you're finally ready to appoint to hire it out, you should understand what you're hiring. Um, it's a big red flag if you're like, well, I don't know. I think the only exception to that is design. I really think Touché. you need, yeah I, yeah, I can't photograph myself. 
I can't right. build a website myself. I can update a website, but I am not a designer. I don't have the eye. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's super, super important. Now, as an entrepreneur is starting out at the beginning, I think they also think they need PR, PR, PR. And I was listening to this one podcast with Allie Webb, who founded the Dry Bar, who was in PR and marketing prior to starting Dry Bar. And she very much talked about how it was all PR, PR before she even opened Dry Bar. But she already had a clientele. She already had this whole network of people in place. So when she did launch, it was kind of like, oh yeah, people showed up. So what advice would you give to someone who's starting out, who literally thinks the, the golden ticket is I've got to hire a $25,000 PR marketing campaign? Yeah. So I'm going to take us back again. I, it's so foundational to me, but you have to think about those six different relations and expand your mind to thinking past press. Go for the low hanging fruit. <clears throat> Bra. Networking, community relations, right? Those are, that's the low hanging fruit, the things that you can tap organically without having to spend money. And that's all PR. That's great PR. That's relationship building. So I think founders need to kind of open their mind to what really this quote unquote little acronym means truly and realize it's about relationship building and cultivating and attacking it from a more holistic standpoint. And if you're ready to up level to that next step. PR can be great with social proof and third party credibility. And depending on your business model, it can generate revenue, but foundational to that, you do need that website. I do want you to have some photos. You need to start networking and right. Growing your, your community and, and getting, getting some, if you're a service base, getting some clients and testimonies under your belt, those things are really important. Yeah. And I think people don't realize that that's part of PR is it's nope. the sales process is the networking, the revenue stream, the testimonials is all also PR. And I think you're absolutely, I mean, a lot of the members I get from bra come from referrals like you, you came from a referral. Um, and that to me, is like the best paycheck. When I get an email that says, Hey, so-and-so I we're friends or I want to introduce you to Lexi. She's founder. That to me is the best payday is yeah. when I meet someone through a recommendation. I'm like, oh, I'm doing something right. Yes. <laughs> and never once have they said, I saw your piece in Forbes or on Thrive Global. So I've done articles right. for tons of, you know, art, you know, online magazines, print material. I've been on television. No one has ever come to bra saying, I saw you on this. I read this article. Not once. Right. Right. What it, what it does, just to give people listening when those names come into first off medium and thrive global are that's a tangent i won't go there i'm gonna bring it back that was i i just stopped myself from going on a long tangent there um what the that forbes name will do is if let's say you're a coach right and there's one coach susie is just a coach and then julie is a coach that is backed and featured in Forbes. It just makes her seem credible. So if a buyer's, you know, looking at that, then they're going to go towards that. But so it's a piece of the puzzle and that's, what's really important to understand. It's not the end all be all. And there's, there's impressions that happen on us every day of our life that sometimes we don't realize 
So I might not have remembered that I saw you in Forbes, but all of a sudden that brand sounds familiar. I keep seeing them. They keep going on my radar. So when I do, you know, let's say kombucha, I've heard of that kombucha before. I might not know where, but it probably was because I saw it on my newsfeed at some point. So just keeping your name out there is helpful. Ah, which is the best PR. I feel like that's the best PR when someone like can say something proudly about their experience with a brand or service. Like, oh, I love these. These Spanx are amazing. Even though they're not Spanx, they're Knicks and whatever. Like, right. It's the best type of PR is um, word of mouth. <laughs> yes, word of mouth. And that third party, it's one thing to say you're great. It's a whole other thing for someone else to say you're great. Oh, so true. So do you, you know, what would you recommend for brands who's seeking testimonials? What's your, like your advice to go out and be like, hey, can I get a testimonial? Because people feel icky about it. That it depends on your business type, right? So if you're, I'll speak to a couple different. If your product, be very clear up front with how much product you're willing to give away for free, set that boundary and set an understanding of who, don't just give it away to anyone. If you're going to part with product free of, free of costs, then make sure it's with intention. If you're a service-based business, then what you're parting with is usually time. When I started the PR bar, I made that choice that I want to do X amount of free happy hours because I, I, that's what I need to feel good to start charging for this. I kind of needed that confidence boost. I've been working for other people for so long. This is, this is what I needed, honestly. However, I, I hit that cap. And while it was, it was hard, there was some money mindset stuff I had to work through. Then it was time to start charging. So I think it's different for everyone. You're going to find people who say never do anything for free. I think it really depends on you, your business, your do you, if you have a little more flexibility, I had a nice VP salary when I started the VP, the PR bar. So I could afford to do some services for free. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of factors. I, I also feel like when you start out and you're giving things away for free, that's research. It's research that's and it's it. good PR, right? It's good yeah. karma. It's relationship. Just do it yeah. smartly. Don't just throw it yeah. to all the people. <laughs> <laughs> Give it all away here, here. Yeah. I just think it's good research. It's also good you know, is this my ideal client? Do I want to do this? Right. You fine tune things when you kind of, um, so instead of calling it for free, I said, Oh, you're, so you're doing market research. You're giving things away. Smart. Yeah, exactly. I love that. This is, this is so fantastic, Lexi. I see all the comments coming in about how much knowledge you're giving. I love all of this before I get carried away with you with a bunch of questions. Tell us where we can find you, where, where you're at, what's the website, what's the handle, all the things. All the things. Okay. So since we're on Instagram at the PR bar underscore Inc, my website is the PR bar Inc.com. Yeah. Other than that, my name's Lexi Smith, by the way, everyone. So if you want to find me on Instagram or Facebook or not Instagram on Facebook or LinkedIn, you can look up L-E-X-I-E Smith. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love it. All right. Now it's time to get carried away. Okay. So first, my first question is because we're in quarantine, I love hearing about people's travels. And you did mention that you spent six months abroad. Please tell us about that. What got you carried away to do that? Yes. Oh, man. And I am a, a self proclaimed travel addict. So um, I love talking about this. Okay. So I, I lived abroad, it was in college. 
for six months. Um, I studied part of it and then I just continued, I back-ended and front-ended that trip. And I lived in Italy, but obviously traveled a lot more places than Italy. So, but when I was in school, I um, studied wine and art and food, like in Italy. I mean, I mean, (laughs) I had busted my booty to get to a place where I'd done all my credits. It was my senior year. And I'm like, like, I already have my degree, basically. I'm gonna, yeah. No, it's like a wine tasting. What's yeah. the, the notes and the tannins? <laughs> what, which part of Italy were you at? So a lot of people don't know of it. It wasn't my first choice because a couple different programs got canceled. It's called Macerata. It's in the Marche district. It's basically, it's on the eastern sea border, kind of in between Tuscany, it's near Florence-esque kind of that area. A lot of people have never heard of it. I was the only American in high school. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I was actually set to go to Tuscany and Florence this past June for a month um, to do the same thing, study wine and cheese, but I was going to study it a little bit differently than you did. I'm sure. (laughs) Consumption studying. (laughs) Yes. I was going to be very good at it. (laughs) So that's amazing. Where in the last, you know, three, four years, where have you traveled that or where do you want to go after I all of I've traveled a lot in the last three to four years. Um, I'm very lucky. I, that's where I love to spend my money. Some people buy, you know, clothes. We all have our vices, minus travel. So I've been to, let's see, Switzerland, Ireland, Germany was a trip. Then we just did this past September, which, I, whoa, is a year ago. Last year I did Amsterdam, Iceland, Oh my God, where'd I go? There was one more. It was really cool. I'm completely blanking. Oh, Scotland. So did that. Um, so I've, I've pretty much done most of Europe at this point. Five Europe. When I wanted to, I wanted to be in Portugal this September was my, my big oh, goal. Obviously that yeah. didn't, that didn't mm-hmm. go down. Yeah. Oh, have you ever been to Spain? <laughs> have, have been to Spain. Yes. I that was one I hit when I lived abroad. Yeah. Love Spain. I had the best time in Madrid. I only went for like six days and I felt like I was like, these are my people. I love Madrid. It was so, so amazing. Um, I love that. So tell me about your COVID hacks. What are you doing to keep yourself entertained? Podcasts, Netflix, books? What are, what are you doing to keep yourself sane? All three. So I have a very specific, the way I utilize all three in different ways. So podcasts, I do two types of podcasts. I either do business or true crime. I'm a huge true crime person. So that's podcast. Netflix is my, my brain hurts. I need to zone out at night. And then reading is before bed. And when I have like a chance to go to the beach or some, something lovely like that. Love it. I love that. Have you listened to the podcast um, my own backyard in my own backyard. No, is it true crime? True crime. It's about the disappearance of a college student in Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. So it's uh, from like 1992, and um, they've just now reopened the case because it went cold. And she was a college student that went missing on her way home from a party. And when you listen to this podcast, it's so well done that you're like how can they not arrest him? (laughs) 
Oh, I'm so, so excited. Yeah. You have no, this my, is like a huge passion. Yeah. It's called my own backyard. That's what it's called. My own backyard, because it's it something that occurs down. in their own backyard. I think there's like eight episodes, but you will fly through it because it's so well done and it's so creepy and they still have my founder. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so way that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. And always my favorite question. The last question is what are three things that, um, you can't wrap your head around. There are three things that people get so obsessed about. I get so carried away about that. You can't even like fathom. Like for me, it's chocolate. I know you love chocolate, but I can't stand chocolate. I can't stand tomatoes. I also I never watched Downton Abbey. <laughs> never watched one episode of Downton Abbey. I don't like Grey's Anatomy. I don't like kombucha. I don't get it. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. No, no. I will never get on a cruise. <laughs> okay. Yep. So you, three things you just can't get carried away about. <laughs> there's two that immediately come to mind. One, I get tentative sharing because so many people think automatically that I can't be their friend because I don't like this. But I just want to say that I have a lot of friends who do love this. So don't write me off. But I am not an office, the office fan. I don't. I've tried watching that 50 times. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's it's not my thing. Um, That's number one. And then number two is I like cycling, but I, I don't like soul cycle specifically. I tried when I lived in LA to get into that specific brand. Wasn't my jam. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm offending so no, many not. people right now. No, I like cycling, just not soul cycle. Oh my God. Who just said I'm not an office fan either. Someone needs to be my friend. Love in the time of Corona. That's my friend, Casey. I love it. Like, no, I don't get it either, girl. <laughs> So those are my two things that people are like, especially in LA, they look at me like, wow, we're officially like, can't, you must not relate to me in life. <laughs> so, and do you have one more? Or is that it? Oh, I have so many. Um, <laughs> what else do I not get? I don't get, uh, I've tried, but I can't get it. This is, I'm not against it. But I, the, the meditation and yoga worlds, I've tried so many times. I know it would be so good for me, but there's something in my brain that is too ADD or something to, which is probably why I need it. That's been hard for me to, it's not my, my favorite. I hear you. I struggle with meditation too. Um, I really do. I always find when I'm meditating that I'm like got one eye open, like, is anybody else doing this? <laughs> My brain starts, I think of 20 other things I need to be doing right now. And then it tangents anyway. Someday maybe I'll master it, but it is, I know a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine are very into it and it's not something I'm. And there's a lot of women in the bra network that are amazing meditation coaches and it's part of their practice or their coaching programs. And anytime I, I, I try to meditate, I've, I just can't turn my brain off. Right. And I Mm -hmm. had one person say to me um, that when you're meditating or when you're trying to silence everything, when a thought comes in, like, I got to pick up the dog from the groomer, you're supposed to say to yourself, I'm not going to think about you right now. I'm going to think about you later. So then I spend my whole time meditating, thinking, I'm not going to think about you. I'm not going to think about you. 
right. all I'm doing is thinking about it. It's like a cycle. That's what happens in my brain. So again, I'm not against it. I'm just really, really bad at it. So it's not something that's an active part of my life at, at this moment. Right. Hashtag goals. We will get right. to a point where we'll be meditating. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lexi. Don't go yet. We're going to say goodbye to Instagram, but we're going to head over to Facebook um, and see if there's any comments in the chat, if anyone wants to say hi, but Instagram is, is about to kick us off. So bye Instagram. Okay, bye Instagram. <laughs> Find Lexi at the PR bar underscore Inc. Right? I am Nailed it. Well, that was fun. I love featuring female entrepreneurs. It's one of my favorite topics. I am your host, Carrie Murray, and thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Getting Carried Away. To learn more about these entrepreneurs featured or about the Bra Network, head over to bra-network.com.